Welcome, everybody, to the Mo News Podcast on this Martin Luther King Day in the U.S. It is Monday, January 16th, 2023. I'm Osh Wanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And reread all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, I don't want to bury the most exciting news of the day. We officially hit 1 million downloads of the Mo News Podcast over the weekend in just seven months. Wow, that's awesome. A, a huge thank you for real to everybody who has listened. I feel so lucky, Mosh, that we get to do this podcast every day. It is genuinely a ton of fun. And you, of course, are this encyclopedia of random facts and knowledge. So I have to say I learned something on every episode. Uh, we do want this to feel like you're listening in on two friends just discussing the news. So again, thank you to everybody for spending part of your day with us. We really appreciate it. Jill, we generally thought there was a void in the market, right? Like where you can get your news, you feel like all the uh, headlines are being presented to you straightforward. You're not being pushed a certain agenda and it's done in a conversational, less formal way. And, you know, I feel good about where we're at seven months in, but I'm genuinely interested in people's feedback and how we can continue to make this a uh, better podcast for everyone every day. Absolutely. We always want to get feedback. Please email us. I I promise I read all of them. Uh, podcast at mo.news. Send us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. But we do have some other headlines to get to. The White House's latest announcement over the weekend that they found several more classified documents in Joe Biden's Delaware home. We mark MLK Day with some cool trivia that you may not know. We're also monitoring some stories overseas in Ukraine. Crews are still digging out from a missile strike that hit a nine-story residential building. Closer to home, relief coming soon to storm-ravaged California and also an update on how much all of this rain has helped the drought-stricken West. Plus, my favorite story of the day, scientists say that they have discovered the secret to aging, a real-life fountain of youth, Mosh. I will take it. Jill, just as we make our way into our 40s. Perfect timing. And of course, Mosh has on this day in history. Drip. Drip, drip. The latest news of more classified documents in Joe Biden's possession came Saturday when the White House disclosed that another set of classified government material was found in Biden's Wilmington home. A White House lawyer said in a statement that a total of six pages of classified documents were found during a search of Biden's private library. The White House had previously said that only a single page was found there. The latest disclosure is in addition to the discovery of documents found in December in Biden's garage and in November at his former offices at the Penn Biden Center in Washington from his time as vice president. So this now marks four separate discoveries in three different locations of documents from Biden's time as VP that have made it to his private office and home. The White House says it is confident that a thorough review will show that these documents were inadvertently misplaced. But the White House still has not explained why it waited two days to provide an updated accounting of the number of classified records. The White House is already facing scrutiny for waiting more than two months to acknowledge the discovery of the initial group of documents at the Biden office, which was just before midterm elections. The rule in politics is to put out all of the bad news at once. And we now have the slow and steady drip for nearly a week now. Jill, this is really frustrating. Democrats who are like, really, White House, like you already knew about the, uh, you know, Trump developments over the summer, the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Wouldn't that have led to an immediate search being like, let's make sure that there is no chance that anyone in the previous administration, Obama administration, Biden as VP did this. 
And so you have like the discovery in early November. It's, you know, it was slightly before midterms. Uh, we didn't hear about it publicly till January. And then throughout the week, eh, we found some of the grudge and we found some in the office. And now we found more in the office. It basically goes against the cardinal rule of politics. And so all of this has given new ammunition to Republicans who've already vowed to launch a whole bunch of investigations into the Biden White House. So now they're asking for a specific and intending to pursue a specific investigation into the classified documents here. Congressman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, he's the new chairman of the House Oversight Committee, demanded in a letter over the weekend that the White House provide by January 30th a list of all people who visited Biden's Wilmington home, as well as documents and communications related to the searches of the home. He also wants to know who had access to the Biden office. There were a bunch of notable exchanges, including a couple I put up on Instagram over the weekend with reporters who are like, hey, Republicans, you're suddenly interested in Biden's classified documents. You didn't seem to be interested in Trump's classified documents, the hundreds that were found in Mar-a-Lago. The Republicans, for their part, claim there's a double standard here, feel Trump wasn't treated fairly. Didn't have great answers, though, for the whole idea of double standards. At the same time, Democrats saying they trust Biden, not as critical of him as they were of Trump. They're stressing the fact that Biden was cooperative, whereas Trump hid and lied about the documents for more than a year, which is what led to the FBI search warrant. Either way, no surprise here in Washington, Jill, Republicans excited uh, about going after the other party, Democrats excited about going after the other party, uh, and yet not wanting to really spend too much time on a dirty laundry of their own. And Mosh, the latest document discoveries are now the subject of a Justice Department special counsel appointed by the Attorney General Merrick Garland last week. So a reminder that there are two special counsels that we are closely watching one conducting investigations into Biden's classified documents and the other investigating Trump's classified documents, as well as any potential crimes committed on January 6th. And Jill, we shouldn't forget about that third special counsel investigation, though, of less interest, but still notable, the special counsel investigation into the Trump investigation. <laughs> the coffee table book about coffee tables. Exactly. So that's another one that we'll keep tabs on. But these are the two prominent ones. The classified records ones are the ones that will be grabbing a lot of the attention in the coming year. One of the unanswered, well, there's actually several unanswered questions, Jill, but what was in the Biden documents? How did they get out? How unintentional was it? We still have vague reporting on what the Trump documents entailed, but we're still waiting on details there. Congress has directed the Director of National Intelligence to review the Biden documents to conduct what's called a damage assessment. Uh, if any of these classified documents could have revealed sources and methods, agent identities, where we have bugs abroad, potentially. The office is already doing that for the Mar-a-Lago documents. And so now Congress says, can you please do that for the Biden documents as well? This is a procedure they typically do. And meanwhile, the president made a historical pilgrimage Sunday to America's Freedom Church to mark Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, saying democracy was at a perilous moment. He added that the civil rights leader's life and legacy show us the way and we should pay attention. As the first sitting president to deliver a Sunday morning sermon at King's Ebenezer Baptist Church, Biden cited the telling question that King himself once asked of the nation. He quoted King saying, where do we go from here? Biden's answer, my message to this nation on this day is we go forward. We go together when we choose democracy over autocracy, a beloved community over chaos, when we choose believers and the dreams to be doers, to be unafraid, always keeping the faith. 
if anyone's ever in Atlanta, I highly recommend going uh, to the Ebenezer Church. Uh, there's a museum across the street. This is where King was the pastor back in the 1960s. He was, of course, assassinated in April of 1968 at the age of 39, but before then was able to drive the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act in 1965. For Biden's event yesterday at the church, uh, several members of King's family attended the service, including his 95-year-old sister, Christine King Ferris. I wanted to add that Biden told congregants on Sunday that the battle for the soul of this nation is perennial. It's a constant struggle between hope and fear, kindness and cruelty, justice and injustice, really trying to bring out that MLK-like poetry there. Uh, a reminder that Congress first passed the legislation to make MLK's birthday a holiday 15 years after his death in 1983, and then it began being commemorated in 1986. And Moshe, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, you're a wealth of random knowledge, including some that you dropped as we were chatting before the podcast about MLK Day and Stevie Wonder. So most of you, I imagine, uh, know the Stevie Wonder version of Happy Birthday, right? Happy birthday to you. Well, if you actually listen to the lyrics, you, you hear all about Martin Luther King's story. And so as the story goes, in the summer of 1979, Stevie Wonder called Coretta Scott King to tell her about a dream he had. He said he had a dream about a song, and he imagined in the dream he was doing the song, and they were signing petitions to make Dr. King's birthday a national holiday. And at the time in the early 80s, it was controversial. Basically, President Reagan initially said, you know, we don't have time. It's going to be too expensive to add another holiday to the mix. And so the fight began, and what helped that fight was Stevie Wonder's Happy Birthday song that uh, became this anthem, became hugely popular. He releases it in 1980, and uh, people give him credit for helping the effort to make MLK Day a national holiday. Fascinating. Okay, we have a lot more news to get to, including the speed read, but I'm very excited, Jill, to be talking about our newest sponsor this week. I'm very excited to introduce Harry's. Uh, a brand that I've been using for a number of years for a great shave. My wife, Alex, actually bought me their aftershave a couple years ago, and I immediately uh, was converted. I love their shaving cream and their aftershave, and I'm so excited they're officially now joining us as a partner with a special deal for Mo News listeners. Recently, I also started using their razor as well, which I'm also really liking. And so Harry's is offering Mo News listeners their Truman Shave Trial Set. It is a $15 value that you can now get for a limited time for just $3 over at harrys.com slash monews. It includes a five-blade razor with a very nice weighted hand, I should say, foaming shave gel, a couple extra blades, and a travel cover. That travel cover for the razor is key, so you don't cut yourself in your dop kit. It keeps the blade clean as well. You can also schedule a replacement blade delivery whenever you need them with refills for as little as $2. I want to say again, I'm genuinely a big fan of Harry's. I don't think you'll be disappointed, and you will be a convert just like me. The deal, again, is a $15 Truman Shave trial set for just $3. You can get started with Harry's for just $3 over at harrys.com slash monews. Again, that's harrys.com slash monews for the $3 trial set. Our next sponsor this week is Athletic Greens, whose AG1 all-in-one vitamin powder has been a daily ritual for me in mornings this winter. And Jill, I understand you got some last week. Moshe, I did, and I'm really excited about it. As a new parent, I am permanently sleep-deprived, and it feels like someone in my house is 
always sick. So I really do need all the help that I could get. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It contains over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. In addition, AG1 has pre and probiotics to support gut health. And here's the best news. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription, or you could try it one time for just a month. Again, athleticgreens.com slash monews, that's M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal, and really start to take ownership of your health. Okay, time now for the speed read. A couple of international stories that we're tracking via the New York Times. First, in Ukraine, rescuers continue to comb the rubble of a nine-story apartment building that was cut in half by a Russian strike in the city of Dnipro. The death toll from the attack climbed to 30. 75 people are believed to be injured. Another 30 people are still missing. This was one of the largest losses of civilian lives far from the front line since the beginning of the war. That residential building was struck late Saturday afternoon. It's one of a series of devastating large-scale attacks on residential areas of Ukraine. Since Russia launched its full-scale invasion in February, Russian strikes on targets like train stations, theaters, shopping malls, and residential neighborhoods have led to a significant loss of civilian life. Yeah, they're still trying to get their um, hands around the, the numbers from the last 11 months of the war. Jill, a reminder that under international law, it is a war crime to deliberately or recklessly attack civilian populations in places where civilians would be likely to congregate, though the Russians, despite all the evidence, continually deny that they are targeting civilians. The Ukrainian government says the latest attack shows their dire need for anti-aircraft missile systems like the Patriot missile system. We told you late last month that President Biden said the U.S. will now supply Ukraine with that system. Ukrainian forces will actually begin training on the defensive missile system in Oklahoma this week. Meanwhile, we're following developments of a deadly commercial air crash in the small South Asian country of Nepal. The nation's observing a day of mourning for victims of the country's worst air disaster in nearly three decades. At least 68 people died when a Yeti Airlines flight from Yathmandu to the tourist town of Pakora crashed and caught fire Sunday morning. Pakora is referred to as the gateway to the Himalayas. There were 15 foreigners on board, including from India, France, Australia, Ireland, Russia, and Korea. There were unconfirmed reports that a handful of passengers may have survived, although they are critically injured. It's still unclear what caused the crash. The weather was reportedly clear, but Nepal does have a tragic history of fatal airline accidents. Yeah, the country is home to eight of the world's 14 highest mountains, including Mount Everest. So there are conditions like inclement weather, low visibility, and just generally the topography that contribute to Nepal's reputation as the most notoriously dangerous place to fly. And to really get around the country, you got to be using very small aircraft to these remote and mountainous parts of the country. A lot of these small planes have less than 20 seats. Uh, they are the most likely to have these accidents. So this is actually a larger plane uh, than we've seen involved in these types of accidents. The country also includes an airport in the town of Lukla, which is in the northeastern part of the country, that is often referred to as the world's most dangerous airport because of the way the uh, runway is situated. Uh, authorities locally have begun an investigation uh, and they are asking for some international help uh, as they continue here. From Fox Weather, California is finally set to get a break from the nearly month-long stretch of storm systems and atmospheric rivers 
which have drenched the state for nearly a month, but not before one last storm will slam on shore today. An additional one to two inches of rain is likely. Major flooding not expected, but some residual flooding in creeks and rivers will be possible. The storm will begin to wind down by Monday evening. This stretch of weather will go down as one of the most impactful storms in recent memory. Triggered by a stubborn pattern that put California in the bullseye of multiple storm systems, over 40 inches of rain has fallen in some places. That's nearly four feet since December 24th, which is when the first series of storms began. Many places, including San Francisco, picked up well over a foot of rain during this time period. So the big question uh, many Californians and people across the West are asking is how much will this impact the drought? We're nearly 20 years into an extreme drought situation now out West. The most recent national drought monitor, uh, monitored by government officials, has now removed any mention of extreme drought conditions for the entire state. That is a 30% reduction in nearly two weeks. Most of the state is now down to a lower level, just severe drought and moderate drought. So still dealing with drought-like conditions, just the most extreme level has been taken down. We will have a better sense of this in the spring. What we know right now is the snowpack is better than ever, with most of the Sierras picking up over 12 feet of snow in just the past 30 days. 28 feet of snow alone was recorded at Mount Solomons. So the California snowpack has now reached over 100% of its April 1st average, and we're still here in mid-January. So local officials believe that'll be helpful uh, and we'll have a better sense again in the spring uh, once the rainy season is done. Some reservoirs are nearing their uh, typical annual averages, but for many, that's just 50% capacity. California, as we've told you in some of the podcasts last week, lacks the infrastructure to effectively capture all of the rain and snow. It built a lot of uh, concrete pathways 100 years ago for flooding that uh, direct a lot of the rainwater out to sea. And so there is a dire need to reimagine the infrastructure in the state, which will take years or possibly decades to really reimagine how they can do a better job uh, to get closer to 100% retention of rainwater. From the Washington Post, extensive review affirms COVID booster is safe after system flagged risk. A vaccine safety monitoring system in late November picked up a signal that the newest Pfizer COVID vaccine booster was possibly linked to an increased risk of strokes in people 65 and older. But a deep dive into several large databases failed to confirm the preliminary information leading health officials to conclude that the risk is extremely low and probably non-existent, according to officials. The CDC and the FDA have decided there's no need to change the recommendation that everyone six months and older should stay up to date with their coronavirus vaccinations, including those five and older who are eligible for the updated booster. The early signal involved the newest booster, which was approved in September, made by Pfizer. It did not apply to Moderna's updated booster. So the signal was detected in a vaccine safety data link, a collaboration involving the CDC and about a dozen healthcare organizations with electronic health records on 12 million people as part of routine monitoring for possible adverse events. Officials noticed late last year that they were picking up indications of higher than expected stroke risk among about 550,000 people that were 65 and older who had already been vaccinated and received a booster dose of that Pfizer vaccine. 130 people had strokes in the first three weeks after getting the shot. No deaths were reported. So that 130 strokes out of 550,000 people set off alarm bells internally, which is then what led to more analysis. The CDC officials then took that and conducted different 
analyses of the vaccine safety data link system using the same data but different methodology and were not able to replicate the findings. The officials then also searched other systems, including at Medicare, the Veterans Affairs Department, Pfizer's Global Surveillance Network, regulators in other countries, including Israel, were also consulted, and none of them found evidence of this stroke link. So Safety experts say that safety signals occur frequently, and if they don't, actually, the system might not be sensitive enough. But there is a difference between signals and genuine risks, they say. And this appears to have just been a signal, not a genuine safety risk. Either way, the signal did set off a debate among officials about what to do and whether to release the information. In fact, the Washington Post reports the CDC officials initially argued for releasing this, and they ultimately prevailed. But others, including the FDA, were concerned that putting out the stroke data would fuel anti-vax sentiment, scare older Americans about the boosters. So the CDC and FDA had this debate here. It appears, again, the CDC won. Their hope is that this transparency and letting people in on the process will ultimately build confidence for future vaccines and boosters. From CBS News, Dallas Zoo enclosure of escaped leopard was intentionally cut. The hole also was found in the monkey enclosure. Police are investigating after a clouded leopard escaped her enclosure at the Dallas Zoo last week. They say a cutting tool was used to intentionally make an opening in the fence of the cat's habitat, and a similar cut was found at a habitat for small monkeys. Dallas police said Saturday evening that they still don't know if the two incidents were related. Although, Moshe, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that uh, they probably are related here. A little too <laughs> Inspector <laughs> Inspector Wagner is on the case, everybody. <laughs> um, none of the monkeys, by the way, escaped. None appeared to be harmed. On Friday, arriving zoo workers discovered that a clouded leopard named Nova was missing from her habitat. A day-long search ensued, during which the zoo was closed while staff and police combed the 100-acre ground she was discovered by late afternoon near her habitat. Yeah, Nova is okay. It, it was interesting, Jill. On Friday morning, I woke up to a tweet from the Dallas Zoo that was like being that was going viral online, being like, "There's an incident happening here. We'll update you guys later." And everyone's like speculating, like, "What could be happening at the Dallas Zoo?" Ultimately, we find out that Nova, the leopard, is on the loose. Uh, by the way, they're called clouded leopards, named for their large cloud-like spots that cover their bodies. They're only a few feet long. They weigh about 20 to 25 pounds and do not pose a danger to humans. But upon finding her, they did sedate her uh, before they put her back in her enclosure. And the uh, Morning News reported on Saturday that Nova appeared unhurt. She was returned to her habitat. She lives with her sister, Luna, and has settled back into her routine, zoo officials say. Uh, in the meantime, Jill, police and zoo officials are reviewing surveillance footage for suspects. They won't say whether they have uh, narrowed anybody down at this point. But it sounds like you have some theories of the case. You might you might head down there and go help them. <laughs> I just think that it would be an insane coincidence that uh, a hole was cut in two separate enclosures uh, and that's not really. And, and it's interesting, by the way, that they picked the leopard and they picked the monkeys and the leopard got out and the monkeys were like, no, we're going to hang out in our enclosure. And, and none of the monkeys discovered the uh, the the fence was cut in their area. All right, let's end on some positive news from Time Magazine. Scientists have reached a key milestone in learning how to reverse aging. Yeah. <laughs> in Boston, old blind mice have regained their eyesight, developed smarter, younger brains, and built healthier muscle and kidney tissue. On the flip side, young mice have prematurely aged with devastating results to nearly every tissue in their bodies. The experiments show aging is a reversible process capable of being driven forwards and backwards at will. 
According to anti-aging expert and Harvard Medical School genetics professor David Sinclair, he says our bodies hold a backup copy of our youth that can be triggered to regenerate. His recent experiments published for the first time Thursday in the journal Cell Sinclair and his team report that not only can they age mice on an accelerated timeline, but they can also reverse the effects of that aging and restore some of the biological signs of youthfulness to the animals. That reversibility makes a strong case for the fact that the main drivers of aging are not mutations to the DNA, but miscues in the epigenetic instructions that somehow go awry. So Sinclair focused on part of the genome called the epigenome. It's what makes skin cells turn into skin cells. It's what makes brain cells into brain cells. And so while DNA can be viewed as the body's hardware, think about the epigenome as the software. So epigenes are proteins and chemicals that sit like freckles on each gene, waiting to tell the gene what to do, where to do it, and when to do it. So think about our bodies the same way you would think about computers, like Windows or any piece of software you might download. That software programs operate off of hardware, off of the parts uh, of the computer. And so sometimes the software become corrupt and need a reboot or a re-download, if you will. So the epigenome literally turns genes on and off. And through our years and as we age, the epigenome literally turns genes on and off. And that process can be triggered by a number of things. Pollution, environmental toxins, uh, smoking, eating an inflammatory diet, uh, not getting enough sleep. And that changes things over time. Okay, Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> I already feel, do you feel targeted enough about do you, my life. Do you feel targeted there, Jill? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well, it turns out that uh, the good news here is even if you feel targeted, it, it, at least in mice now, they have found that some of this stuff is reversible. So the rebooting of our software came in the form of gene therapy. It involved three genes that instruct cells to reprogram themselves. And in the case of mice, they use kidney and skin cells, which are two cell types that are prone to the effects of aging. Bottom line here, they were able to turn back the clock, Sinclair says, about, this is very specific, 57%, enough to make the mice youthful again. So I guess uh, in our case, Jill, that would take us back to our uh, late teen years uh, if we're going off that percentage. Either way, this feels like some really exciting news, at least, you know, where they've gotten with the mice. I mean, I peaked in high school, so this sounds like <laughs> it's wonderful. Sign me up. Uh, rejuvenating cells in mice, though, it's one thing. But the question is, will this process work in humans? That is Sinclair's next step. His team's already testing the system in non-human primates. He anticipates that eye diseases will be the first condition used to test this aging reversal in people. And that's because the gene therapy can be injected directly into the eye area. And it could also mean that a host of diseases like chronic conditions like heart disease and even disorders like Alzheimer's could be treated in large part by reversing the aging process that leads to them. Even before that happens, the process could be an important new tool for researchers studying the diseases. Sinclair is the first to acknowledge, though, that this raises a lot more questions than answers. I love this quote from him. He says, now when I see an older person, I don't look at them as old. I just look at them as someone whose system needs to be rebooted. <laughs> it's no longer a question of if rejuvenation is possible, but a question of when. Jill, we often talk about how the solution to everything in life these days, whether we talk about the FAA computers or anything at Apple or Google, is always like, if they just reset it, um, it works and, it, you know, it works in these computers and it works for your iPhone typically or it works for, you know, whatever device you have. And it appears that scientists are like, you know what human bodies need? A reboot. And they're figuring out how to do that. 
It's true. I say to my parents all the time because they they always have questions about their phones or whatever. I'm like, just turn it off and turn it back on. That always does the trick. And I guess we're onto something. It just turns out we're built in a slightly more complicated way. We can't just be plugged in, at least not yet, Jill. And so uh, look, look forward to seeing what Sinclair and the team at Harvard come up with next. All right, Jill, now it's time for On This Day. Very exciting news that On This Day now has a sponsor, Magic Spoon Cereal. I've gotten really into their peanut butter flavor. They also have Frosty, Cocoa, and Fruity. Sort of takes me back to uh, watching Saturday morning cartoons, eating cereal. The great thing, though, with Magic Spoon is it's gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, no sugar. You can head to magicspoon.com slash monews to grab a variety pack to try all the flavors out today. Again, the promo code is MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, at checkout to save $5 off your order. Jill, I want to begin on this day with a couple birthday messages. Model Kate Moss is 49 years old, and Lin-Manuel Miranda turns 43 today. Well, first of all, a happy birthday to them. But uh, it's incredible. Lin-Manuel Miranda is so freaking talented. If you just look at all of the hits that he's been behind, from obviously, of course, Hamilton, In the Heights, Moana, Encanto, it's Absolutely incredible. Jill, I think he's still one short of an EGOT. He has his Emmys, he has his Grammys, he has his Tonys. And last year, I don't think he got his Oscar, so he's still the O short of an EGOT, but still doing pretty well at 43. Okay, let's go back a bit. On this day in 1920, prohibition went into effect in the U.S. One year after we passed the 18th Amendment to the Constitution, which banned booze, prohibition would last for 13 years until 1933, when we would then pass another amendment to the Constitution that made booze legal again. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and we'll end here with a bit of music history. 51 years ago this week, American Pie by Don McLean reached number one on the Billboard charts. This song, it reminds me so much of college, the bar that we all used to go to at Michigan called Rick's. This is what they would play basically as their last song uh, of whatever night. So it was kind of like, all right, drink up, partner up, (laughs) get out of there. (laughs) Right, right. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Exactly, exactly. I think uh, I remember at least one of the bars we used to go to back in my days, undergrad at GW, would end the night with Sweet Caroline, a a sign that, oh, we got to go home now. And a great song also. Totally. One more piece of music news. 23 years ago this week, What a Girl Wants by Christina Aguilera reached number one on the Billboard charts. What a girl wants. I buy that. I buy that. (laughs) (laughs) And before we end on this day, again, a special thanks to Magic Spoon Cereal for sponsoring the Mo News on this day in history. By the way, they tell me if you don't like Magic Spoon, they have a 100% uh, guarantee. So you can get a full refund. No questions asked. Again, you can get your next bowl of Magic Spoon cereal. Uh, try the variety pack over at magicspoon.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S. The code will get you $5 off. Okay, and on that, we want to thank you so much for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. It's really exciting today, Jill, to be celebrating 1 million downloads of the Mo News Podcast. But please, everyone, keep spreading the word. Uh, We love to hear your feedback. You can email us over at podcast at mo.news to let us know what you'd like to see more of, less of, uh, etc., And don't forget to follow us, of course, over on Instagram, where it all started, over at the Mo News Instagram account, at Mosh, at M-O-S-H-E-H. We will see everyone back here tomorrow. Bye, everyone.